everyone. Welcome to Agile Sustainability. If you are a business owner who's considering of adopting sustainability, but you're worried about the impact on business profits, you're in for a treat. Today, we're lucky to have Garima on the topic of balancing profitability and sustainability. Garima is an assistant professor at Georgia State University. Hi, Garima. It's nice to have you with us today. Well, hi. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here today. Yeah, the pleasure is ours. But before we jump into the questions, uh, can you tell us more about uh, yourself to our listeners and also about your research? Well, I'm an assistant professor at the Andrew Young School of Policy Studies at Georgia State University. So, uh, you know, my background, my research, my PhD is in management, but I am in a policy studies school. So that gives me a really great perspective of, you know, big picture social environmental issues um, from a policy perspective, but using the tools of business. So I draw on that uh, perspective to our opportunity uh, and, uh, you know, sort of implement it in the form of directing what we have called Bachelors in Social Entrepreneurship Program at Georgia State. So uh, it has really been a pleasure to see my uh, research and experience sort of being translated in this undergraduate program. Um, in terms of my research, I'm what you would call an organization theorist. So my interest is in studying how business and social enterprises that want to really use the power of business for doing good, navigate this tension between purpose and profit. And you alluded to that a little bit. You know, and so that's one stream of work. I'm also interested in studying how research can impact management practice. <clears throat> and it's a very important question because managers and researchers come from two very different worlds, as you may know. Um, and so it's really interesting to see how they can come together and really create knowledge that benefits both uh, academic, uh, you know, insights and also has value for practice. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome. So it sounds like uh, you had a lot of experience working with the business. So of all the businesses that you've seen so far, what are the pressing motivations for them to take action on sustainability? So I think that's such a great phrase you use, pressing motivations, because I feel like the global pandemic, COVID-19, has completely sort of shifted our paradigms and this idea of pressing motivations is is shifting a little bit. So I'm going to talk to you both about what I saw these motivations as before, you know, this crisis and now. Um, so before, uh, you know, if you think about the research and practice before, uh, you know, facing this huge crisis, I think the primary uh, motivation has been, and maybe it's still now, that what we call business case for sustainability. So the idea is that by doing good uh, for the world, such as if I replace light bulbs in my factory to a more energy efficient light bulb, or if I sell a product that's kind of made through a responsible supply chain, you will either save cost or you will increase revenue because more people would want to buy these products. And and, um, you know, like I said, the interest sustains in the practice world, in the business world for those wanting to do sustainability. How can I really make a business case? How can I show economic um, indicators for doing uh, good in the world? But interestingly, if you think about the research that is tried to draw that line between social environmental performance 
and financial performance, there are many ifs and whens and when does that relationship hold and when it doesn't hold. And so it's not as straightforward as we would want it to be. But nonetheless, I think one of the primary motivation is uh, from this idea of business case. There's also, you know, what we call maybe a little bit of a normative motivation. So what does that mean? That means that Many businesses take action on sustainability because their leaders really believe that that's the right thing to do, you know? So I'm thinking about leaders like Patagonia or Ben and Jerry's. So sustainability isn't really their fiber, you know, as a leader. So it becomes sort of a regular way of doing business. So this normative motivation is also very much present and I've seen it in many, many businesses in the news and, you know, in my own research. And then sort of the last uh, in this category of sort of pre-pandemic and maybe even now motivation is, you know, stakeholder pressure. So stakeholders are any uh, group of people who are either directly affected or they can affect your business. So they could be customers, government, NGOs, you know, wanting business to operate in a certain way. And if you think about Right now, like social media, such a huge role in exerting pressure. So that becomes sort of a motivation for business. You know, we can think about oil and gas industry, so visible in terms of their impact than maybe a software industry. So, you know, the stakeholder pressure is also experienced differently um, by different industries. And there's extensive research on how a sort of business can identify which are the salient or important stakeholders. Um, and there are tools available, you know, in terms of doing that stakeholder analysis and which goes to sort of say that uh, the message here is that not all stakeholders are equal in how much pressure they can exert on the business, but sort of stakeholder pressure is a motivation. I also want to tell you now what I think uh, the pandemic has revealed, and I don't know, it's more of a motivation, but maybe it's like a pressing need, you know, the words that you used in your question. And I think what the pandemic is revealed is like these issues, social and environmental issues are systemic issues, you know, we cannot study or we cannot act on them in isolation, as we have done before. So I cannot think about, you know, responsible supply chain without also thinking about social justice, I, you know, um, going back to the idea of pandemic, uh, gender and productivity are so deeply intertwined, if we think about, you know, how women have experience the pandemic differently than men. So the bottom line being that, you know, when we think about a motivation for business, we have to think about the systemic issues of social and environment. And I hope that uh, we, we start moving the conversation in that direction and saying, okay, what is my systemic sort of, what is my motivation to respond systemically to social and environmental issues as a business? So those are a couple of things that come to my mind. Wow, that was a very extensive analysis on what are the kind of motivation that press the business to take action. And uh, it's also wonderful that you point out that the COVID has a big impact on how the business will act differently, which is already adding the volatility to the sustainability base. Then in that, in that sense, how would the business craft a plan to move towards sustainability when things are so volatile? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, when we think about sort of a starting plan for a a business to move toward a sustainability agenda, I think, you know, and it goes maybe a little bit uh, away from the systemic um, approach to issues, but nevertheless, I think to begin on their sustainability journey, I think it's really important for business to identify sort of which set of issues are core to the business sustainability agenda, because there is so much that, you know, a business can respond to uh, based on all the motivations that I listed. Um, And some of the ways I have seen and I've read and others have studied is, you know, these uh, identifying these core issues could be in many ways. One could be that I choose sustainability issues that are close to my business model. So let's say I'm a manufacturing company, I'm, I want to support action on, say, biodiversity loss, because in some ways my business has impact on that issue. Another way businesses could identify core issues are, you know, what is important to the community that I operate in. So maybe I am thriving as a business in a community, but if I look around me, there is rampant poverty, there's lack of employment. So, you know, there's definitely a gap there. So I can help fill that gap as a business. Then the other is, and, you know, a lot of businesses do that, really getting in touch with your stakeholders like customers or employees and asking them what issues should they sort of, should the business respond to, uh, you know? And so for maybe your customers would say, I want this product to be recycled or used as a post-consumer product. And so those are sort of a couple of ways that uh, the business can identify uh, what issues should appear in its sustainability agenda, even when it starts crafting this plan uh, for sustainability transition. And again, you know, I said that a sort of business case is uh, present still in, in our in the business uh, vocabulary, very much important there. So, uh, you know, so then we have to figure out how we can think about this business case in the sustainability transition in a way that is generative and not restrictive. So, you know, I alluded to business's role in a system, you know. So if you think about system in terms of various relationships, in terms of various actors, you cannot really fit a business case into this clear sort of cause effect. I do this, I get financial gain, you know. So what is required is, you know, these tools that can help business to really focus on their self-interest, which is the business case, often called zooming in, in a sustainability uh, language, and then zoom out to this collective interest, you know? So uh, we need to figure out how business case becomes this constant um, sort of conversation and dialogue within the business where it goes in and out, where self and collective interest are together considered when we think about sort of transitioning into a sustainability um, agenda for a business. Then the last thing I would say is, you know, community is so important. Peers are so important when you think about transitioning to a sustainability agenda. So some of my research is on B Corps, you know. And so B Corps are these for-profit profit businesses and their practices are certified by a third party called B Labs. So, you know, you get, you get this 
about 3,000, 3,500 uh, for-profit businesses worldwide that call themselves B Corps. And when, you know, in my, when I study them and you know, my colleagues study them, it's really clear that they help each other transition toward greater and greater sort of sustainability actions because they're our community. And, you know, some of the ways that these you know, peers can be defined as sort of, you know, within an industry, within a region, and sort of within a particular certification as well. So finding your peers, finding your community as a business is so important for that sustainability transition. Yeah, definitely. So just now you mentioned a keyword of zooming in and zooming out. That sounds like an interesting practice. Can you elaborate more on that? Yes, for sure. So, you know, uh, if you think about uh, uh, embracing systems thinking in our decision making as business leaders, you know, zooming in, zooming out is a useful sort of practice or rule of thumb, because what it allows us in a sustainability context is, like I said before, consider, you know, one slice of the whole system, and that could be sort of my business interest, or as a leader, my personal challenges, and then sort of come back and see the whole system and see, okay, how does this small slice sort of uh, compare to the whole system? And um, uh, what, what such zooming in, zooming out, again, sort of allows us to do is look at various actors, various relationships in the system and not just focus on, okay, what how I as a business benefit vis-a-vis my customer or vis-a-vis my st- you know, employees, but look at this variety you know, mm. of issues and variety of relationship across different levels. And, you know, if if your listeners are interested, you know, there are many uh, tools, systems thinking tools out there that very well give the guidelines to business leaders in terms of how they can adopt the zooming in and zooming out within their own Mm. decision making to look at systems. Awesome. Thanks for that. And uh, let's say the business owners already take action on it. And after a while, they want to see how good they have done and how do they measure the progress since there's little quantifiable way to view the sustainability. So how do they see the progress they have made on that topic? Yeah, so I think uh, progress can be seen in two ways. I think one way you see progress is you compare your current performance with your past performance, and you can see how on your journey you have uh, progressed. The other could be you compare your performance with the performance of your peers. Again, peers could be defined by industry, region, product, anyways. And you see how your performance sort of compares to how others in your uh, peer group are doing. Um, So I think there are many ways uh, that uh, I have seen sort of businesses try to make that comparisons. Um, So, you know, if we are thinking about within within their own business, I think uh, sustainability reporting uh, is a great way to measure year on year how you have progressed on a certain on certain goals that you commit to the outside world. Um, So that's sort of this internal uh, journey. Also, you know, like I said, uh, a lot of my work is on B Corp certification. You know, I study how uh, uh, for-profit businesses get the certification. What do certifications mean for them? 
And I think certifications are also such a great way to benchmark process. Um, so I'm going back to the, the uh, B Corp certification details because that's the one I know best. So what that, that does is it provides these impact scores, you know, on areas such as environment, social governance practices. And, um, you know, so businesses can go from one certification to another and they can see how they have improved over time. And, you know, the certification agency also provides awards for bigger leaps. And um, they can also use the same impact score to measure against their peers. So, you know, for a research paper, um, a couple of years ago, I interviewed uh, several B Corp leaders around, you know, their experience of the certification. And it was so evident to me that how closely they watched other in the industry in terms of how they're scoring. So it was a sort of this competition between, you know, each other. Also, they recognized who are the leaders in the industry on certain practices. So let's say minority hiring or setting up a recycling system. And then they would reach out to those peers, you know? So the certification also allowed them to identify these leaders and reach out to each other to improve their practices. So um, that those are a couple of ways I can think about how business can benchmark a sustainability performance against itself and others. Mm. Just now you mentioned that in B Corp certificate, you can benchmark your progress against your peers. And that is an interesting input for the business to make decisions. Because let's say if they uh, invest a lot of effort in sustainability, their profitability might take a hit and that might uh, let them lose market share to their competitors. Then how do they uh, manage this kind of challenge? Yeah, so I think, you know, when we think about um, uh, investing in sustainability, sort of taking away from, um, you know, your other uh, business efforts that can increase your revenue, I think that's a very valid concern. But also underlying that concern is this assumption that, you know, a business operates in the zero sum game, you know, so I take resources from one project and I put resources on the other. It is also an assumption in which social issues are completely decoupled from business issues. And I'll get to that in a minute. But I want to first go back to this idea of zero-sum game. And again, I mean, it's a valid, you know, issue valid concern because of, you know, various pressures around, you know, maintaining your bottom line and increasing your profitability and so on and so forth. I think how successful businesses have seen them do that is that it's not zero sum it remains a zero sum game if i focus on the present you know and successful businesses find a way to look at the long term and then sort of come back to the present and look at the long term and come back to the present again maybe going back to this idea of zooming in zooming out uh, the uh, the message here being that, you know, maybe if you expand your view, if you take a bigger perspective, maybe it's not a zero-sum game. So the investment that you may be making in a sustainability performance may hit your bottom line right now, but over time, you will gain advantages such as resilience, more engaged employees, license to operate in various um, areas, and that may eventually, 
you know, support your financial performance. So that's one way to look at it, you know, sort of moving away from this idea of a zero sum game. The other is also, you know, uh, these questions would come up for a business leader when they completely decouple sustainability and social and environmental issues from business issues. If there's one message I can leave everyone with is that social issues are business issues, you know? What does that mean? That means that if I engage in a merger and acquisition, if I open a new production facility, if I close down a current store, it impacts people, whether I accept it or not, you know, not only people, it impacts environment, it impacts, you know, there's a huge impact in every business decision that I take, you know. So one way to understand sustainability and one way to understand social and environmental issues is you know, seeing them as part of the business issue. So when you are having those discussions, strategy discussions, business discussions, or, you know, try to look at the entire context and see who is it impacting, even though it, you know, it's not directly um, in your cost benefit sort of budget line item. Um, so that's another way to move away from that conversation of uh, investing in sustainability takes away from my financial performance. Yeah, those two are very good insights. And I think me and our listeners today are very lucky to hear it from you. And uh, uh, I just wonder if for other businesses who are just new to sustainability, if they want to work together with academics as well, how would they start a collaboration? And then how would you advise them to collaborate and work together? So, um, you know, I think it's such a good goal for uh, academics and uh, businesses to collaborate together. And I can rattle off like many, many innovative examples that I have been a part of and I have seen uh, where uh, businesses have sort of stepped up and academia has created the space for this generative collaboration. And I'm going to tell you more concrete uh, suggestions in a minute to your question, but I also want to take a second to acknowledge that it's not easy for uh, these two parties to come together, you know, become a business operates in a very different knowledge system than academia. And in terms of, you know, how we define our problems, how we find answers, how long we take to find answers. So, you know, uh, typically academia takes two, three, four years (laughs) to to, um, get their insights out in the the open. Um, And, you know, a business manager is sort of fighting many fires every day. So irrespective of that, I think there is something really generative in this tension of different knowledge systems. So I think, uh, you know, it, it is a very, very uh, valid and valuable goal to figure out how academia and research can collaborate together to find answers to some of the issues that we have been talking about right now. Um, so, you know, I think university partnerships are a good, easy way to, uh, you know, think about how businesses can join the conversation, academic conversation on sustainability issues. So I'm just thinking about how I collaborate, you know, in my position as a, a assistant professor at Georgia State, you know, 
coming and speaking in our classes, collaborating to write a case study that can be used in MBA classrooms, joining longer time, longer uh, length research projects, opening you know, your organizations for researchers to come in and study so that they can feed back insights to you are you know, sort of straightforward ways that businesses can um, take, a, take part in uh, you know, knowledge generation around sustainability. I'm also thinking about our conferences, both academic and practitioner conferences, and opening doors to each other. You know, there is I, you know, I, such little overlap when we think about academic and practitioner conference, very few academics go to practitioner conference and vice versa. In fact, you know, um, I'll go back to the B Corp example. Uh, you know, there's a, a group of academics, we call ourselves B academics, who are studying B Corps. And so what they decided to do is that um, B Corps have this annual uh, championship retreat. They call it like an annual conference. Thousands of B Corps show up. Um, so we started uh, co-locating a research conference next to, <laughs> uh, in the same hotel, like next to this big conference so that, you know, there is like a physical uh, sort of intersection uh, of people from one room to another. So that's an, one example of like how we can open up our knowledge generation spaces to each other. Um, those are some of the things that come to my mind in, in terms of how, you, how business can collaborate with academia. Yeah, it sounds like although there might be challenges, there will still be a fruitful collaboration between the academics and the business practitioners. I think before we uh, end this podcast today, just one last question. Uh, although academics and uh, business practitioners come from very different backgrounds, what is a question that you wish the practitioner could ask you during the collaboration to make things easier, but they didn't ask? Um, so ask academics to make collaboration easier? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Um, so uh, I'm thinking about... So I guess it's not just also only about what business could ask. I think both parties could ask this question to each other in terms of being like really transparent about each other's interest and needs. So asking what is your interest in this collaboration and what is your need from this collaboration, you know, because our knowledge systems are different and our incentive systems are also different within our respective organizations and institute. So being really clear and supportive that if business's interest, for example, is to find out concrete practices that they can apply in their organization. Maybe the academic's interest is to find empirical data, find evidence that they can use in academic publications. So really being clear with each other, sort of, you know, what are individual interests and what are common interests in this collaboration project. I think that makes collaboration between academia and practice so much smoother. Nice. Okay. Uh Thank you, Garima, for joining us today. And I think our listeners really uh, are going to benefit a lot from this sharing. If you're interested in the questions we're planning to address, please visit our podcast homepage at www.agilesustainability.org. Let's collect more puzzle pieces on sustainability together. Subscribe and stay tuned.